Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Live in Conversation. Today, um, obviously, the big elephant in the room, we're going to tackle it. We might talk about a couple other things. I don't know what we're going to have time for, really. I'm on a crunch schedule today, but I really didn't want to cancel another episode. So, you know, I just wanted to get this out of the way early in the morning, really quick for everybody, um, before I start doing my my, uh, rounds (laughs) for the day, because I have a lot of stuff planned. Um... So yeah, let's just get this started. Obviously, the elephant in the room, the first Republican primary debate um, happened last night on Fox News. That's the first time I have turned the channel to Fox News in many, 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 many years. Um, (laughs) So yeah, the only time I I put on Fox News is when I want uh, free entertainment um, because it really isn't just it. It really isn't even news. It's, it's, It's pure entertainment to me. It makes me laugh with the outlandish shit that they say on there. But anyways, we're not going to go in depth on why I hate Fox News, because I could do like about six episodes on the reasons why. Um, And that's not why we're here today. Why we're here today is to cover the Republican primary debate. Um, So obviously, you know, there's Vivek Ramaswamy, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley. um, Who else? Uh, Chris Christie, Asa Asa Hutchinson, Doug uh, Doug, Doug Burgum. Um, forget who else. I feel like I'm forgetting somebody really notable. Chris Christie, if I didn't mention him already. Um, so yeah, there were, there were quite a few faces there. Hold on. Let me pull up the full list. Um, while I'm still up, hold up, hold on. While I still have this up, hold on. All right, let's see. Huh? All right, so let's see who was in it. No, I don't want to subscribe to USA Today. I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm very, I'm very good on that. Okay. All right. So this this list is a little outdated because one of these people did not qualify. Well, they qualified technically. They just didn't sign the pledge, didn't attend, and we all know who that is. The elephant in the room. Um, but anyways, Ron DeSantis, Tim Scott, Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy, Chris Christie, Doug Burnham, Doug Burgum, I always pronounce his name wrong, Mike Pence, and Asa Hutchinson. Um, those were the attendees of last night's primary debate. Um, and obviously I tuned in first time in years I've turned on Fox News. But anyways, um, I actually, I believe <laughs> I had to resubscribe to Fox News because I had canceled it, um, on my cable package because, you know... We don't watch that, um, you know, well, I don't watch that, um, because it's not news. But anyways, we're not going to talk about that. I just said we're not going to talk about that, but, uh, you know. Um, so anyways, I, I really powered through most of that debate. I eventually turned it off near the very, very end. Um, but apparently there was an interviews, like, after the debate, um, one with Mike Pence and Sean Hannity, I think. I didn't get to watch that. Um, maybe I could catch, like, a rerun or something, I don't know, but, you know, whatever, it doesn't, I don't really care, honestly, but anyways, um, so obviously there were a lot of, um, people on that stage, um, who are running against Trump for the primary, and obviously Trump was not in the room, um, because he decided, oh, no, I'm leading the polls by quite a lot, I'm not gonna attend, and I think that was a foolish mistake on Trump's behalf, um, obviously, you know, he was a little busy getting arrested, uh, but he wasn't, uh, too busy enough, he wasn't busy enough, um, because he actually ended up releasing an episode of Tucker Carlson's 
conspiracy theory hour show, whatever the hell you want to call it, on Twitter. Um, and I have not watched it. I'm going to be 100% honest, so I'm not going to comment on anything that I've heard, that I've seen, because I don't know if it's necessarily true or in context. Um, chances are it is, because, you know, he said some outlandish shit. Um, I watched the trailer for it that, that uh, Tucker had posted, but that's because it kept popping up on my feed, and I was like, all right, I'll give in, I'll watch the trailer. But uh, as of right now, I haven't watched the full episode um, yet. So maybe I will watch that, but I'm not sure just yet. Um, but anyways, obviously, you know, it's outland. It's it's just ridiculous because you have somebody who's the leading contender just not appearing at, at debates, and part of me's like, yeah, thank God he wasn't there because if he was there, let's be honest, there there would have been like a whole war out on that stage. A lot of people would be fighting. <laughs> the only person I think Trump would be in agreement with is Vivek. And even then, I think he would get pissed off with some of the stuff Vivek said, because Vivek is trying to basically target the FBI, the Department of Education. He's trying to shut down the Department of Education. And it's like, what the hell are you on about, you absolute psychopath? If we shut down the Department of Education, like, last second, suddenly, today, every single public school in this country is, is fucked. It's completely fucked. The education system is going to go into complete crisis. There's going to be little to no education. And the education that is left is going to be skyrocketing in tuition prices. Because most of those schools would be private schools, charter schools, um, and even religious schools. So it's like, you know, you're, the whole point of a public school is to allow everybody to have the right to a, a basic education. That's why public schools exist, and that's why I think we need to keep them. Because if we just got rid of the Department of Education, we start getting rid of public schools, people have to pay tuition then to go to a private school. And why would we pay tuition to go to school when a basic education is promised by this government, according to the Department of Education? The Department of Education is in place to ensure a basic K-12 education for every single American citizen. That's why public schools exist. I didn't go to no fancy private school. I'm going to tell you that much. People who go to fancy private schools, most likely, either their parents are really struggling to make ends meet because of the high tuition costs, or alternatively, they're extremely rich, which is most of the time, they're rich. A lot of people seem to think private schools have better education. I think that's complete BS. You know, public schools and private schools, in my opinion, they should be teaching the exact same thing. I don't see the need for a private school personally. I don't see the need for them to exist. Because if you think about it, all the money that we end up giving to private schools and private institutions, we could be giving to public schools to increase their funding because a lot of public schools are falling apart right now. Teacher shortages, bus driver shortages, substitute teacher shortages. There's shortages left, right, and center in our education system currently, and the federal government has done bare minimum, if anything at all, to let this happen. I personally think we should stop funding private schools because why are we funding private institutions? Why is the public government with public taxpayer money funding private institutions? It doesn't correlate. It doesn't make sense because it, it, it doesn't make any sort of sense. Why are we taking public money, money from the public, the taxpayer money, and investing it into private institutions and still giving it to private institutions? I think we need to invest public money in public institutions because we need to see where our tax money is going and how it is publicly impacting the public.
I know I said public like 17 million times, but at the end of the day, you're taking the public's money. Why are we not investing the public's money into public resources rather than their their private counterparts? Why are we investing in their private counterparts that charge people thousands of dollars in tuition for pretty much the same exact thing you can get for free with the exception of, of, of the school tax? But still, come on. With all that money that we're giving to private schools, we could be reinvesting that back into our public school system to get teachers hired and to raise the wages. And on top of that, maybe maybe with the excess, we can actually start working toward free university, free college. We could start working toward all of these goals that we really universally want. For, for a grand majority of us, we universally want all of these things. We could be working towards these things. And, and everybody up there is pretty much talking about, you know, school choice and everything. And it's like, really, guys? There is a way better solution to this. Public schools are public. So why is public money not going to public schools? Because it's being invested into private schools. Why is public money being invested into private institutions? And then they don't have an answer for that. Because they seem to think that private schools are the future. But in reality, it's not. It's not the future. If anything, why are we trusting them? They could be easily abusing funds. Easily especially if it's not a public institution, they could be easily abusing funds and you would have no clue. (laughs) You would have zero clue. That's why I disagree with like everybody on that stage that said, oh yeah, we need to tell, we need to allow parents to have the choice to where they send their kids to school. Newsflash, most of America can't even afford to send a single child to a private institution, let alone however many children they have, two, three, four children. They can't afford that. Even under your economy that you're pledging, oh, yeah, we're going to create this amazing economy. It's going to be great, you know, MAGA, like all that bullshit. It's like even under that economy, are people realistically going to be able to send their multiple children to private schools? No. A lot of families that I have met and that I know might have one kid in, in, in a private school, one kid. And that's because that's all they can afford. And they're just managing to get by with that. Because the tuitions are so high. And it's like, come the hell on, people. We need to ensure, and the reason why I support public schools over private schools and why I think we need to just get rid of private schools altogether, with public schools, we can curate and manage the curriculum to ensure that there is no bias within it. Catholic schools, you know, what they might not teach, you know, the, the theory of evolution, Many of them, I'm almost certain they don't teach the theory of evolution when it comes to the scientifical answer because it goes against their religion. Me personally, I'm not religious. I'm non-religious. I don't, I don't protest or claim or worship a specific God or, or religion. That's just my choice. But if you really think about it, there's a scientific answer to the, to the evolution you know, of humans and then they want to teach, you know, whatever was in the Bible. And it's like, you know what? You could teach whatever you want. But at the end of the day, we can't just keep putting this into our children's curriculum without having multiple answers in there, especially the scientific answer. You can teach your, your Catholic answer all you want, but at least have, you know, the scientific a- answer in your curriculum somewhere as well. That, that's just what I, that's like the bare minimum, I feel like. And it's like, you know, I just personally think private schools are a waste of taxpayer money. On top of that, it's a waste of, of, of money in general. 
to send your child to a private school because you could be getting the same education in a public school. And then, you know, there's the argument that, you know, private schools are safer. That's not necessarily always the case. I know people who went to private schools and it turns out that the public school was much safer. <laughs> like, I have many, many people that I know that have gone through that and they literally tell me, oh yeah, the private school was a disaster. It's a wreck there. You know what I mean? Like nothing's, nothing's upkept properly. The curriculum is a joke. Like they tell me all this stuff and it's like, well, I wonder why, you know, it, it's, it's almost as if it's a private institution that's, that's claiming to give you total curriculum and it really isn't. But here's the thing with a public school, we're able to curate the curriculum which means we can ensure that bias is not inflicted upon said curriculum. Therefore, and that includes political bias, that includes religious bias, that includes personal bias as well. And assumed bias, which, you know, is obviously making assumptions and then being biased toward what your assumptions are and then putting that into the curriculum. We saw it in Florida. Unfortunately, Florida, with the far-right government that's there, you know, they ended up inflicting the public school curriculum to their own bias, um, mainly their political bias and their assumed biases. But still, Florida is not a prime example of every 50, all the 50 states in this country, especially not California. Because here's the thing. At the end of the day, people forget that, you know, that's where, well, here's the thing. All right, I'm going to be 100% honest here. Florida's decision to inflict a curriculum based on their own bias, is ridiculous. Because those children have every right to a non-biased curriculum that actually teaches them stuff. The whole point of going to school is to be taught and to learn. Not to be fed propaganda based on bias and, and, and skepticism and pure bigoted beliefs, okay? And that standard goes both ways, you know? How about this, all right? You stop saying that slavery benefited slaves... And we won't do whatever you think we're doing when we're really not doing it. All we want is equality and we want to make sure that schools are safe places. And and to Republicans, they're like, oh yeah, as long as I have a security guard out front, then it's a safe space to me. No! A safe space is not just a physically safe space. A safe space is a totally safe space, including, you know, emotionally safe where, you know, you can... You can feel, you could be who you want to be and be who you are and express yourself in the school. I think every single student should be able to do that. This country promises freedom to all citizens. Nowhere in the Constitution does it say specifically that it's to people that are 18 and up and there's, there's, no, there's no limitation. Freedom is promised to every single citizen in this country and it's time we start acting like it. And a lot of these people on the stage were, were, were supporting Trump. Four of them said that they would pardon Trump, you know? And it's like, come on, people. Or not pardon Trump. They said, well, Vivek was the only one that actually said he'd pardon Trump. The four that raised their hands said that they would support Trump. I believe it was four. It might have been five, actually. Or six. I don't know the number, but whatever. The people on the right side of the stage all raised their hand when that question came up. And it's like, really? And I'm glad that Chris Christie had an exception because you know what? That was the only person on that stage with a brain. You know, he was not afraid to call out Vivek and then Marjorie Taylor Greene 
Oh, oh, we miss her, don't we? The chimpanzee looking, you know, big, big jawline. Oh, she looks horrifying. I swear. They, they got to put her in a horror movie or something. She'd do great. But anyways, think about it. <laughs> she she goes on to whatever news station it was. It might have been Real America's Voice, whatever. It's not even really America's Voice, you know. <laughs> a lot of Americans would beg to differ. But anyways, on that station, Marjorie Taylor Greene had basically said that she thought it was racist that Chris Christie compared Vivek Ramaswamy to Barack Obama. When quite literally, Vivek plagiarized Barack Obama within the first few words that he said on that stage. The first few words he said on that stage, he plagiarized Obama <laughs> back in, what was it, 2004, I believe? It was before he even became president. And, and he's plagiarizing his speech. Oh my God, like, okay, like, come on. Even Obama was a, about a million times better than Vivek. Like, come on, man. But here's the thing. Chris Christie called him out. Because that's exactly what he's trying to do. He's trying to capture that millennial voter base. And he's trying to persuade and manipulate the minds of millennials and Gen Z as well. To vote for a far-right fascist government. And if we don't wake up and realize collectively that this is not what we want. This is not democracy. This is not freedom. This is not constitutional. The sooner we realize that, the sooner we can get this country back on track. We need to follow the constitution. Absolutely. To the fullest? Absolutely. But you know what else we need to do? We can't just follow, to, to word for word, we can't just follow a document from 1776. Or, wait, hold on. That, that's the Declaration of Independence. I don't believe the Constitution was written for another few years. Um, hold on. <laughs> hold on, I'm going to fact check myself. 1787, ratified in 1788. Okay. I wasn't that far off. <laughs> 1788. We're going to go with the year it was ratified. We, we can't just go off a document that was ratified in 1788 with, with only a few amendments that have passed since then. And it's like, we need to keep amending this, this constitution to keep up with today's technologies, today's terminologies, you know, half the language in the original constitution, I guarantee you people are going to be like, what the hell were they writing? They're going to they're gonna think this is like Shakespeare writing. You know, it's like, come on, people. We, we got to keep amending the constitution that we follow. We can't just keep a constitution from 1788 with, with maybe a few, few, a, few, a few major amendments, of course, but still like the few amendments. You know, we need to keep making amendments because we need to keep updating this document to ensure that it stays in date and with the times. Like, honestly, there, there's zero regulation on, on ch uh, child abuse when it comes to abusing them for, for social media content. There's no specific law that says, you know, there, there's laws that protect uh, children in Hollywood and, and the film industry, but there's nothing protecting them in the social media industry federally. That's why I've proposed a, a state law in California that would give children this protection and, and would basically charge parents who commit that act, not just with, 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 not with just child abuse, but with also with child exploitation for social media content, which I would propose as a whole other charge. There needs to be an additional charge for this because a lot of these parents end up signing for the monetization programs on these apps. These, these corporations don't pay attention. They approve them. Then the parent makes money by abusing their child. That's wrong. 
It happened with Hollywood. The government eventually caught up, realized what was happening, and made laws against it. So now we're stuck with the exact same predicament just in modern times with modern technology. Where children are being exploited on social media for content and in a lot of cases for monetization. So why are we allowing it to continue? We saw what happened in the film industry and we, for some reason, our government now seems to think that it's just going to change on its own and everything will be a-okay. It'll turn out just fine if, if, they, if they take zero action. And that's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous proposal and, and concept of thought. Change needs to happen. And I think a lot of us universally agree with that beyond party lines. A lot of people in general universally agree that change needs to happen. We just don't necessarily agree on how it needs to happen. I personally think we need to socialize a lot of things. You know, we need to socialize, you know, we need a universal healthcare plan. We need universal basic income. We need federal assistance, especially to recover from how, how crappy the economy currently is. We need to recover the entire economy, but not just that. We need to work to make our economy the best it's ever been. We need to break records if we want the people of tomorrow to be sufficient. You see what I'm saying? We need to elect officials that actually want change to happen. We don't just need to focus on tomorrow, though. We need to focus on today. And we also need to realize that a lot of issues from the past have, haven't even been resolved yet. Reparations is a big one. You see what I'm saying? There's a lot of issues in this government that have either been ignored, are currently being ignored, or eventually will be ignored. And this will cause the economy to further sink. This will cause many things to remain legal that should not be legal, namely child exploitation for social media content. That needs to be a separate charge in addition to child abuse. And also there needs to be protections when it comes to monetization. There needs to be protections and limitations on the federal level. Absolutely, that needs to happen. But the federal government refuses to make change because we have a majority of these people in office that are that are either far right and are okay with a child that's 14 working in like a in a heavy machinery factory and operating heavy machinery that's extremely dangerous. You know, we have we have people on the far right that that, that do that. They also are okay with, you know, a child giving birth to a child. You know, that, that's extremely messed up because they're like, oh, yeah, we can't have abortion. So, yeah, you know, little Susie is, is going to give birth at, you know, 13, 14. And it's like, come the hell on, people. It's, it's ridiculous that they're allowing this con to continue. And it's like, you know, they, they turn a blind eye when it doesn't help them. But when it does help them, they want to talk all about it. Just like the Constitution. You know, Donald Trump is ignoring the entire 14th Amendment. Which literally states that if, a pre if, a, if, if someone has incited an insurrection, they are not eligible to run for president. But yet he is still running for president. Because our constitution is not enforced. We need to enforce our constitution. The good and the bad. And you know what? The stuff that is bad and the stuff that definitely needs to be updated and revised. Take it to the floor of Congress. Congress, members of Congress are elected for a reason, and that is to do their job, not to just serve their community, but serve their community and represent their community on the federal level. And a lot of these, a lot of these senators lose touch with what their area represents and what their voter base represents and supports. A lot of these people lose sight of that. 
I forget where it was. It was somewhere in, in the, uh, mid middle of America, like the middle of the country. Um, like great plains area, I believe. And someone had basically said, oh yeah, my, my area is a pro-life area. And you know, every, the, every other statistic showed the complete opposite of that. They were a very pro-choice area. So it's like a lot of these senators, both representatives and, and well, hold on, both representatives and senators have shown that they do not stay in touch once they get elected. A good majority of them don't. We need to elect officials that will stay in touch with their community, but also realize that on a federal level, there is room to make big change and big proposals, and they need to take complete and full advantage of that. You know, we have people like AOC. You know, I don't agree with her endorsing Biden, but I agree with like everything else she's ever done. For the most part, like for the grand majority of it, I agree with what she's done. She realizes, okay, great. My community, you know, like Bronx, she takes care of the community, but she also realizes that she is a federal representative and she also can do that. She splits her time fairly well. Not everybody can be perfect, but for people not being able to be perfect, she's doing a pretty goddamn good job at it. Same thing with Senator Sanders. You know, he represents Vermont. Vermont seems to love the guy. Because he does a good job, but he also realizes he is, a, he is a federal senator. He is a federal representative of the people. Therefore, he has to do his job. You see what I'm saying? A lot of these people in Congress, some of them do their job. Yes, they do. And they do a pretty good job at it sometimes. But a grand majority of them don't especially the people on the right. The people on the right completely lose touch with the people of their district. Um, uh, this one isn't really in Congress, but this is a good example. Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, was on a book tour while his state was flooding. Now, actively, this is now the next example with him included, obviously, that is currently ongoing. Home insurance, home insurance providers are, 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 are leaving the state in record numbers, I would say. The inflation in Florida has absolutely skyrocketed. Crime is absurd, especially in big cities like Miami, where there are Republican mayors. And Ron DeSantis is currently running for president. And the only reason he's technically still governor is because he changed the law. He himself decided to change the law where it said he had to resign as governor to run for president. He changed that law so that he could remain in office. If he wasn't able to change that law, he would not be governor right now. I, I almost guarantee that another Republican was probably going to step up, become governor, and it would have sucked, right? I'm almost certain of it. However, if you really think about it, I mean, I don't know. I, I think Ron DeSantis is, is like the worst choice you could choose on that stage besides Vivek. Um, and actually, moving on to Vivek, Vivek got destroyed by Nikki Haley. And and keep in mind, the only person I've ever remotely signified any sort of, of support for is Chris Christie, and that's because of his attacks against Trump. Only reason why I supported him. Obviously, I don't agree with, you know, Republican ideals, but still. And, you know... It's like Nikki Haley just just slammed Vivek and, and Chris Christie slammed Vivek, too. And it's like Vivek took this debate almost as a joke. He was smiling a good majority of the time. He plagiarized Barack Obama 
in the first, like, minute of him speaking, the first words that come out of his mouth were literally plagiarized. Um, he sounded like he had chat GPT under the table, so I do agree with Chris Christie. I'm almost certain he had, like, his phone underneath the table and chat GPTing the whole thing. Like, <laughs> like, wouldn't be surprised. Um, or, like, you know, he had an earpiece in and, you know, he had, like, Siri talking to him or something. I really wouldn't be surprised, honestly. Like, everything he said was extremely rehearsed. And we saw this with Christie back in 2016 on the campaign trail during the primaries. He... He went off on people, and a lot of people don't really remember it, but now, the reason why I got excited when I saw that Christie was running as a Republican is because of the fact that, holy crap, this dude is gonna, this good dude is gonna, like, try to literally rip the heads off of some of these people, like, Chris Christie is no joke, this, this, Chris Christie is extremely good at debates, of course, in 2016, you know, we had Donald Trump, running for president, so, you know, he kind of got overshadowed by, uh, in the media quite a lot, um, so, you know, it really didn't work well for him, but now with Trump refusing to attend debates, we got to see Christie just dominate the entire thing. Between Christie and Haley, Vivek had to have been embarrassed by the end of the night, you know, and, and Nikki Haley is right, and that's something I never thought I would say about anything ever, but Nikki Haley is right, Vivek Ramaswamy has no foreign policy experience. He has no political experience. He's only voted in two elections, and he isn't even registered as a Republican. He is registered as nobody. He's just registered independent. So how does that make any sort of sense that, you know, you claim to be the new wave when, in all seriousness, <laughs> you've barely voted? On top of that, you, you claim to be, you know, representing the truth, but, you know, you, you decide to say that climate change is a hoax when it really isn't. Mayor, Mayor Bass of Los Angeles made a great point. Um, you know, she had, she had tweeted about Vivek and she basically was like, oh, but climate change is a hoax. Meanwhile, for the first time in, in several, several years, I believe this is the first one ever really recorded. A tropical storm hit California along with an earthquake. And I, I, you know, an earthquake doesn't really have anything to do with climate change. It's just tectonic plates. But a goddamn tropical storm in California. You gotta take a look at this stuff, especially with the extremely high temperatures. July of 2023 was the hottest month ever recorded in history. The hottest month ever. And it's not just us. And that's where I agree with some Republicans that were on that stage. It's not just us contributing to climate change. It's India. It's China. It's even Russia. Absolutely. I agree. And even Europe does, does contribute to it. But here's the thing. We can't just say that none of this is our problem at all until they do their job completely. We can't expect them to do everything first and then we follow. This needs to be a simultaneous action of, of taking care of the planet universally across the globe. We need to start taking care of the planet universally, simultaneously. We can't expect people across the globe to start doing something that we're not even really doing and that we're not enforcing. And also the idea that Vivek had of invading Mexico to take care of drug cartels, I think that's ridiculous. Okay, the only reason... The only way, shape, or form that I would be okay with a, a military operation entering Mexico is if the Mexico president directly said, 
I'm okay with you going to northern Mexico by the border and stopping drug cartels. If he straight up gave permission off the bat, I wouldn't really be that mad at it. But in addition, military cannot kill citizens that are innocent. You see what I'm saying? There needs to be standards, obviously. You know, especially with that, there needs to be standards. Um, if we do launch a military operation, obviously, I've, I've stated it more recently than not. Obviously, yes, I do plan to launch the National Guard into cities that refuse to cooperate with my administration to better the police budgets and to better police training to reduce corruption, reduce abuse of power, and to increase police presence to lower the crime rates. But in addition to that, I also plan to send some of the National Guard down to Southern California by the border area, the, that general region uh, of South, Cal- uh, South, uh, South California, to put an end to drug trafficking and to, and to scope out these drug cartels. You know, we need to uh, have surveillance and we need to have people there that can put an end to this. You know, uh, we just we just need this to get put to an end. You know, these poor people on the streets and a lot of people are like, oh, these people are all crackheads. They're all addicts. You know, they're crazy. They're psychotic. They're not psychotic. They are victims. They are victims to something extremely potent and extremely dangerous and toxic that we have allowed to stay on the streets constantly. And the approaches that we have taken so far don't do anything but make the situation worse. And it's like, I, I can understand some people when they say, oh, yeah, we need to legalize some of these narcotics. And I, you know, I can kind of understand where they're coming from. But at the same time, I'm not going to stand for that. I'm not going to legalize narcotics. The only chance in hell you would ever see the state using legalized narcotics would be in the, in the form of recovery. And that would basically be weaning them off of this addiction that they have, transitioning into full-on rehabilitation. You see what I'm saying? There needs to be a gradual process. Rehabilitation and, and recovery is not an instant thing that can happen overnight. It takes months, years for some people, actually. You know, some people get addicted to something. They, they, they're sober for maybe 50 years, 20 years. And then they just suddenly one day crave it, want it, and they get it. And they, they get hooked again. Addiction is scary. It is no joke. We need to, we need to actually respect the process that has been proven to work. We need to realize that, okay, we need to actually take the steps necessary to help these people recover. And then we need to also take the steps to help rehabilitate them back into everyday society. We can't just expect them to, you know, automatically be like, oh, yeah, okay, that's fine, whatever. You know, we we can't expect them to just recover and rehabilitate into society overnight. We can't expect that to happen because that's unrealistic. And there are some homeless people that aren't addicted to drugs. And, you know, that does make things a lot easier for, you know, the state when it comes to rehabilitation into society. It makes it a lot easier. And we're not going to leave those people out on the streets forever. Because if you think about it, the longer that we leave non-addicted homeless people out on the streets, the more chance they have to potentially become addicted to something or potentially die in the streets due to a disease that they could not get treated because they don't have health care and they don't have access to hospitals. That's where my Cali care plan comes in. Universal health care for everybody, regardless of if you're housed or not. Universal health care for everyone. Because then 
if we get universal health care for everyone, that homeless person that's dealing with extreme disease that needs to get urgently treated can now go to any hospital in the state, go in there and get care. That's the minimum that we owe people. As human beings, we have a right to be healthy and we have a right to shelter. I'm actually going to look up the human rights according to the UN. Let's see what these human rights are. Let's look this up. All right, here, hold on. Is that it? I'm trying to see if that's it or not. Hold on, I'm trying to find the list. Okay, well, we're going to read this off of the Sustainable Development Goals, which comes from the United Nations, um, which is pretty much exactly what human rights are going to be. That's what we're evolving human rights into, is development and how we can healthily develop. So, no poverty, zero hunger, good health and well-being is number three. So there you go. A right to be healthy. Number four, quality education. Again, going to that, you know, potentially shutting down the Department of Education that Vivek recommended. Quality education is considered a human right. Five, gender equality. Again, all Republicans. There you go. (laughs) Clean water and sanitation. Something that Nikki Haley actually did agree on, which was shocking. Affordable and clean energy. There you go. Remember Vivek talking about fracking and how he wants all the crazy stuff to happen? No. Not happening. Eight, decent work and economic growth. My plans to reinvest into the economy and reinvest into the infrastructure of this state. There you go. (laughs) That, That answers that. Um, industry, innovation, and infrastructure. Again, my plans to involve, invest in infrastructure. There you go. Um, 10, reduce inequalities. I'm passing the mind your business law. I'm proposing that. And if it does make it past the assembly and the Senate and everything, then I'm, I'm passing it. Um, that basically makes it so that, you know, everybody is considered equal. You know, there's no outing. There's no none of that. Um, so yeah, sustainable cities and communities. I'm planning to make many things run off of renewable, sustainable, clean energy. Um, a lot of processes are going to be revolutionized, um, to ensure their sustainability and their, you know, cleanness to ensure minimal impact on the environment, responsible consumption and production. Obviously we're going to, you know, hopefully work toward that as well. Um, climate action, something I've been big on, something I've, I've, I've spoken on quite a lot. Life below water, which I believe means, you know, like every, like all the marine life and everything, you know, they have a right to live as well. And they do, um, life on land. Again, you have the right to live, (laughs) um, peace, justice, and strong institutions. Again, I've been a massive advocate for peace. You know, I think the U S should take the opportunity to be a diplomatic, you know, middleman, in every single situation we possibly can that doesn't directly, you know, involve us potentially getting nuked, you know, we should take that opportunity, you know, Teddy Roosevelt did with Russia and Japan, and he got a Nobel Peace Prize, and it actually worked really well, see what happens, there you go, (laughs) and then the last one is partnership for the goals, again, 
the United Nations. A lot of people try to suggest that we should drop out of the UN. The only place I would ever consider, you know, we think, I think we should drop out of is possibly NATO. And even then I'm like, eh, not really. <laughs> because like, think about it. NATO can eventually become handy for us. Because if you think about it, if, if someone ever tries to attack our country and our military is caught off guard, everybody else in NATO immediately assists us. See what I'm saying? But the reason why we need the United Nations is for diplomacy and for peace. That's the whole point it was established. Remember the League of Nations? That was the original UN, pretty much. Except, you know, the US wasn't really involved or allowed to be involved. And then the UN was formally created and then we were allowed to, you know, get into the UN properly. We shouldn't leave the UN. Wow, Leaving the UN would cause so many issues. We need to stay in the UN. Because the UN is diplomacy and peace. That's what we need to stay in. And that's what we actually need to use to the fullest. We can't just keep abusing it and be like, oh, you know, it's nothing really serious. We need to actually use it productively. So, yeah. And then, obviously, you know, a lot of people are going to say, oh, yeah, you know, but according to the Constitution, these, these aren't rights. Well, according to the United Nations... These are human rights. <laughs> These are all things we need to grow to achieve universally and things that should be human rights already. Everybody should have the right to a clean environment, despite what the Department of Justice says, according to the Biden Department of Justice. Everybody should have the right to a clean environment, to clean water, to clean air, to, to healthy food. People should have the right to health care, the, the right to be healthy, the right to live a healthy, happy life. The people should have rights to clean, healthy, happy life. That is quality. People have that right. People should have the right to housing. People should have the right to government programs if they need them. People need access and people need rights. This country was built on rights and freedom. So why are we not enforcing that and expanding that? Why are we trying to limit that? Just because you don't like that somebody doesn't like, you know, what your, what your Bible says you should like. You know, like, it, it's ridiculous. Come on, people. Separation of the church and state happened for a reason. Okay? Separation of the church and state happened for a reason. Why are we trying to, to yet again attempt to bridge the gap between the church and the state? We need to keep that gap as separate as possible in my opinion, because there are people who don't follow that Bible. There are people, including me, who do not follow that Bible. I, I don't read the Bible. I don't go to church. I, I, don't, I don't worship anything. I don't pray to God. I don't pray to anything. Okay, that's just my choice. There are some people in this country who, who also don't pray to anything. There are some people who, who practice Judaism, who practice Buddhism, who practice other things, you know? And it's like, you have the freedom to religion. It's in the First Amendment. So why are we trying to bridge the gap between church and state if we all have the freedom to religion? There's no reason. There's no reason to, to bridge that gap. That gap should be kept as unbridged as possible and as separate as possible, in my opinion. So obviously, in conclusion, or in summary, I should say, whatever, the Republican debate was quite funny for me to watch. Um, and, uh, you know, I do like how Chris Christie called out Vivek and I like how Chris Christie called out a lot of people on that stage. Um, and I like how Chris Christie actually approached the debate. Um, you know, I also liked when Nikki Haley had basically attacked 
Vivek as well, because Vivek has zero experience. We let it happen in 2016. We said, oh, yeah, we're not going to let somebody with no political experience and billions of dollars become president. And we let it happen in 2016. We showed them that we're pushovers, that we're weak. You know what? In 2024, we have another chance to show them that we are not weak and we are not pushovers. We have a chance to tell them we don't want Trump. We don't want Ramaswamy. They're both billionaires. And the only experience that Trump had is, is, is the presidency. That's the only experience he had. And he did a pretty shit job while in office. So why are we going to try to... Sh- why are people supporting Ramaswamy? We have the chance to prove a point to the GOP. And that's that we don't want billionaires in the Oval Office that have zero political experience prior to becoming president. We don't want that. Because it ended so well for us last time, right? <laughs> it really didn't. Obviously, it did not end well for us last time. And now, you know, Ramaswamy's attempting to do it again. <laughs> and it's like, what the hell? So, I mean, I don't know. This this is all going insane. But, uh, you know, I, I just can't believe any of this stuff is genuinely reality at this point. You know, it was pretty funny to watch. Um you know, I, I was watching it, and uh, it was pretty funny to watch, so, uh, you know, got a couple good laughs out of it, you know, some new clips, some memes, um, and yes, the promise still stands, the moment that Trump gets his, um, the moment that Trump gets his uh, mugshot taken, I will, <laughs> I will be making that my profile picture on Twitter um, for the next couple weeks, so if for some reason you don't see my profile picture making tweets anymore, Look for a profile picture of the Trump mugshot. And chances are it's me. So, (laughs) yeah. But um, I know this episode went over the time limit. I was just extremely enthusiastic. And now I'm actually running a little bit late. But it's fine. I can just push some stuff back. Who cares? (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) Um, I just wanted to get this out and get this across to everybody. And don't forget... Um, anything you do on the I side with website, um, where it shows me as the person you are supporting for the uh, campaign or for the, for the election, it is greatly appreciated. Um, you know, every click counts, every, every, every click of of that checkbox next to my name counts, you know, um, obviously it's not the final ballot, but still every click counts. Your click matters because that signif- that that represents me in the polls and that that and that shows that this campaign is not a joke. This is reality and this is a this is a movement. This isn't just for me. This isn't just for a, a title. This is for all of us. This is for all of us to show the establishment that we're sick and tired of the games and we're sick and tired of the status quo. So, you know, uh, everything that you guys support, everything that all the support you show, um, either on the website or not, it's extremely, extremely appreciated to me. I, I really appreciate it so much. Um, like the the support that I've gotten so far is is honestly unexpected. I didn't expect to have this much support already. Um, so yeah, but um, so yeah, but uh, thank you everybody for the support, obviously, and for tuning in, and I will see you guys next time. Bye.